to the Titans Amy and Coach Mac podcast presented by Farm Bureau Health Plan. Need great health care coverage with an affordable price tag? Let Farm Bureau Health Plans coach you through it. They've been protecting Tennesseans for 75 years. Welcome to the Titans Amy and Coach Mac podcast. I'm Amy Wells. And of course, Coach Mac is here too. Hey, Coach Mac. Hi, Amy. Whatever we did last week on the podcast, let's do the same thing So, because we want the same result right. on Sunday. So it worked. The it Tennessee worked. Titans got their first win over the Las Vegas Raiders. They are now 1-2 and two on the season, and they're getting ready to take on the Indianapolis Colts in the first division matchup of the season. Mac, are you excited? Yeah, well, I mean, this is you. the best way to get into the tournament at the end of the season is to win your division. To win your division, you got to win your division games. This is a big, this is a big game, and uh, you know that that's that's a little bit of a, a misnomer because every game in the National Football League is a big game. You only got seventeen of them, but this is a division game, and plus, you know, we're very close geographically, and the Colts and the Titans have never liked each other a whole lot. You know, the fan bases, but the, the importance of this game. I mean, there's a big difference between being one and three at the court at you know four games and being two and two. We need to be the two and twos. Now, I want to talk about this a little bit. I say we just jump right in because you're right. Division games are important, but so is every game in the National Football League. It appears with this matchup specifically, which, again, you mentioned historically, the Colts and the Titans have great matchups. But it seems like for the Indianapolis Colts, this one just means a little bit more. And by Colts, I mean their owner, Jim Ursay, who has been saying for about a year that the Tennessee Titans are their big nemesis is what he called them. I mean, he's been talking about this for months and months. He's had come to Jesus meetings with his staff. He has talked about it in the media just excessively almost. I mean, he's gone on and on about how beating the Titans is their measuring stick for success. And it's something that needs to be done. This is, even something that he brought up to the team as they opened training camp, like their rallying cry was, we're going to beat Tennessee. Like, has has it become too much? Is that a lot for one owner to put that much emphasis on one matchup? Well, I mean, first of all, he's the owner, so he can say whatever he wants. Right. And he can he can talk to the whole team. But really what you say has no bearing on what goes on on the field. And that that's I mean, he he was also wanted to go get Jacksonville really bad because they knocked him out of the playoffs last year, correct? Correct. How'd that work? Didn't. So what I'm saying is is he can say whatever he wants, he's within his rights to do all of that, but it still has to happen on the field. And so you're asking me, do the players pay attention sure they pay attention to it, they listen to it, but it's not the overriding factor as far as to they know the players and coaches know the importance of this game because they know the importance of winning. And plus the Titans have won the division, you know, lately. The Titans have been division champs, so you always want to go after the champs. And so that's kind of where that comes from. As a head coach, though, and you know this better than anybody else, you have a pretty close relationship with ownership when you're the head coach. You're in constant communication when there's that much emphasis being put on a matchup, that has to be relayed to you pretty consistently, right? Yeah, but let me just say, let me say which games the owners like to lose. None of them. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I've worked for several owners, and I never had one come to me and say, Coach, it's okay to lose this one. Go ahead and lose this one. It won't bother me a lot. <laughs> they don't want to lose any of them. So there's not an extra emphasis 
on it. I mean, you want to make your boss happy, obviously, right? What are you going to emphasize? I don't know. I'm asking you. You're the coach. I'm yeah, just sitting yeah, here. Yeah, no, so I'm saying, what are you going to emphasize? What are you going to emphasize to the players? I mean, we need to win this game. You need you need to play harder. If they're not playing as hard as they can anyway, I mean, so what are you going to emphasize? I mean, you can say if you don't win this game, we're going to execute you. That might be some <laughs> emphasis. That would work. Yeah, but but anyway, so no, to me. I mean, yeah, you listen because you have respect for your owner, but as far as what it does for what goes on on the field, I can't see a whole lot there. What about on the opposite side for Mike Vrabel, for the coaching staff you're going up against? Obviously, you care about your own team, but is there a little part of you that thinks it's interesting that maybe the Titans have gotten to them a little bit from a mental standpoint? I would think Mike Vrabel has paid zero attention to that. Zero, because, again, Mike Rabel knows what makes this league work, and he knows it's not, you know, the owner saying we have to win this game because most owners say we have to win this game. That's that's not what it is. I mean, he worked for Robert Kraft for a lot of years as a player, right? And so, I mean, you, you, you've, got to, you've got to know as a coach what you're charged with. You're charged with winning games as a coach. As players, you're charged with winning games. The emphasis that an, an owner would put on a singular game, really, probably, I mean, it. you know it and you hear it and you respect the owner, but it doesn't affect what's going on on the field. I mean, I'm sure that they're thinking, oh, God, I just dropped a pass, and now Mr. Ursay is going to be really mad at me tomorrow. Well, no, I don't think that necessarily. One of the things that causes Jim Ursay's frustration is that these two teams are trying to have very similar identities. They both are tough physical, old school, grind it out in the trenches, run first football teams. And the Titans have done it a little bit better in the last couple years than the Indianapolis Colts have. The Titans have four wins in the last six meetings of the two teams. And so it's got to be frustrating as the Colts to watch a team kind of beat you at your own game. How do you guard against maybe straying away from what you typically would do because you want to get the win as opposed to just sticking to your identity and grinding it out even more? Well, the Titans are going to stick to their identity, but you have a point there. But you know, that, that's a sticking point, knowing that, you know, first of all, they're both built around two dynamic running backs. They both run play action. They both play very physical defense. And so that that's a legitimate point going – you know, they're beating us, as you say, at our own game. We have to, we've got to be able to match what they're doing and, and do it a little bit do it a little bit better. That's a that's a legitimate point. But as far as strain from your game plan, see here's to me, if your game plan has worked against them for four out of six times, why change it? And so they're not gonna change it. Let's talk a little bit about the Indianapolis Colts and some of the similarities. And it starts with the run game, right? They have some dynamic running backs just like the Titans do. Well, they do. But let's start with the offensive line because they've got the highest paid offensive line in the National Football League. They've got excellent players. Let's go from left to right. Their left tackle, Matt Pryor, uh, their left guard, Quentin Nelson, and then their center, Ryan Kelly. That left side is playing really well. If you just watch the tape, that left side is playing really well. Where they're struggling a little bit is on the right side with their right guard, Danny Pentner, and then their right tackle, Braden Smith. When people have gotten to them, most of it has been, you know, from that side. They get a really good mash and a push. The, uh, their running back, uh, you know, that we're talking about here, that's a, that Jonathan Taylor, he's just like Derrick Henry in the fact that, Amy, you've got to get him to his fourth step. 
you've got to get you've got to get explosive backs to their fourth step where they can be able to run through the second level and then do some stuff on their own once they get to the third level. But if you can't get them to that fourth step, then they become very common. And so, I mean, Derrick Henry last week against the Raiders was able to get to his fourth step, and then you could start seeing him do some things. Jonathan Taylor is the same way. When they can, when they can get some push and some knockback on the offensive line, he gets to his fourth step, he's a problem. Because, I mean, you know, he's, he's run one of the fastest times on GPS in the National Football League this year, over 22 miles an hour. And then you talk about Naheem Hines is a completely different back, but Naheem Hines is even faster, and Naheem Hines brings the other element that he is a matchup nightmare for linebackers and safeties, just a matchup nightmare. And it's not just out of the backfield, Amy. They will line him up to the three-man side in an empty backfield set, to the two-man side. They will line him up in the slot because he's an individual route runner. So both of those backs that they have that get the football for the majority of the time when they're playing, they've got different skill sets, but they both are, are fast enough to take it to the house, and they, and they both are athletic enough to draw your attention. But it all starts, you start to talk about running it, just like with the Titans, it all starts with the blocking unit up front because if you can't get them to their fourth step, then they're just a common back. They also have some weapons within their receiving core that are able to make a huge impact on offense, right? Well, right. I mean, they got combat catchers, you know, in, in Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman Jr. Those are big combat catchers. The rookie Alec Pierce from Cincinnati is a big, long guy that's that's a little bit new, more nuanced as a as a rookie than you normally see. So those three, when they're in eleven personnel, I mean, there's some matchup issues with this. And then at their tight end, Mo Alley Cox is the guy that we've dealt with a lot when we've played them, a big target. But, but Jelani Woods, the, the new rookie they have from Virginia, is a real red zone problem. He's 6'7", 255 pounds. I mean, you don't have very many 6'7 cornerbacks in the league. So, I mean, you're going to be mismatched size-wise. And so that's why it's so important when you are playing them. Once, you, once, once they're especially down in the red zone, you need to be able to affect the quarterback pretty quickly or shade your, your back end some ways towards a guy because he's going to out-jump and he's going to out-reach. It's like having a power forward, you know, sometimes against a point guard. They're going to get the ball. And so – They've got weapons offensively, and, and, you know, Matt Ryan is a veteran quarterback, and if they can protect him, and they, they've protected him pretty well in the cylinder, a lot of their problems have come when people have blitzed him because they, they get some free runners at him. But he, he hasn't been pressured a lot. He's been sacked 13 times, but he hasn't been pressured a lot, which is pretty it, – it's unusual, which means the cylinder is pretty good unless you get a free runner. So with him being a veteran, how is he able to maybe see what's coming and potentially avoid some of those pressure situations? The, all the time that he's – the amount of time he's spent in the league aiming, he's seen every defense he can see. So he can read it. Very, he's a very smart quarterback. He can see his mobility is not the same as it was when he was brand new. Nobody's is. But he, he is, he's, he's able to look and to see and to discern quite a bit pre-snap because he's seen it all. And so now what he has to do, he's got some younger receivers. He has to be able to transfer that to them post-snap, you know, so that they can be able to get it. But his play-action ability, he, just like Ryan Tannehill, is one of the better play-action quarterbacks in the league. Let's switch over to defense because their defensive coordinator is someone that Titans fans who've been around for a while are familiar with. Gus Bradley has been in the league for a long time, including spending some time as the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. From 2013 to 2016. So, Mac, you've spent time studying their defense. Obviously, you're familiar with 
what Gus Bradley does, what makes it so unique? Well, this is Pete Carroll's defense. I mean, this is Pete Carroll's defense when he was with him in Seattle. It's a three-match defense, which means they're going to they're gonna evolve down to a, a three-deep zone, four under three deep somehow, but they're going to match. They're going to match receivers. They'll play man on one side, and then they'll play zone on the other. They will pass off crossers to both the man and the zone side. They, sometimes he'll show you two shell and then drop down a safety to the open side or drop down a safety to the tight side, and sometimes that safety, will play like at a lurk depth. In other words, he won't be right down, you know, at the line of scrimmage. And so you have to find out and you have to be able to beat this. It's not very complicated. It's nuanced quite a bit. But but what they count on is they count on a four-man rush, being able to get, you know, being able to put pressure on you. And they count on not giving up the big play. And that's that's what Pete Carroll was when they were very successful with this three-match. And that's the same thing that he's doing right now. And they just they want to beat you with execution. That's what they're trying to beat you with. So for the Titans, how do you take advantage of a scheme like that? Well, you've got to protect your quarterback, and that's big. The other thing you've got to be able to do is run the football because you've got to be able to draw to draw the, the that second level. And I'm talking about one of those lurk safeties being at the second level. You've got to draw them up to the line of scrimmage so that then the combination routes that you run. You can also give them some problems when you get into that, what I call that nine ball stack, you know, where you got the, the three guys and, 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 just, and break off at, at various angles and various depths. But you've, you've got to be able to bring that, that second level up so that you open up some of those passing lanes between the numbers. Well, for the Titans offense, since we're talking about them, running back Dontrell Hilliard has had a great start to the 2022 season. He's appeared in two games. He's accumulated 113 yards of total offense, including four receptions for 91 yards and two touchdowns. And I actually had a chance to sit down and talk with him a little bit about the confidence that he has in himself and his abilities. And it was good to get to know him. Dontrell, as I'm reading about you a little bit, the number one line that I read is that you're one of the best running backs that nobody's talking about. Does that bother you that nobody's talking about you? It don't bother me. I don't too much care. But at the end of the day, like they'll find out. They'll see it. So, not don't bother me. So it's more of a let your play do the talking? Exactly. Okay. Exactly what it is. So are you a chatty guy? Like, describe your style, I guess. Are you a talker or a player? I mean, I have my my moments, you know, it spurts, that pops out, but I don't do too much talking, but eventually, like once it gets amped up enough, it'll get rowdy a little bit. What is it about you that sets you apart from other running backs in the NFL? You do it all, versatile. You know, I just can't name too many things that I can't do, so. Wow, that's bold. I mean, that's the name of the game. Like, you gotta be bold to play this game, so. I like that. You're bold, you're confident, and you've played in a bunch of different places. Do you think that that adds to your do-it-all kind of nature because you've had to adjust to different styles, different coaches, that kind of thing? In a sense, but at the end of the day, like I've been like that since high school. I was always be able to do different things on the field, but by me going to different places, I was able to pick up different techniques, different styles, and learn things from different people. So you're kind of a melting pot of a bunch of different techniques. In a sense, yeah. When I watch you move around and kind of play, you just look like you're having fun. You look like you genuinely enjoy what mm -hmm. you're doing. Where does that maybe joy come from? You always dream about this and you find every day you wake up, like, okay, cool, I get to go do something I love to do without really having too much pressure behind it. You know, you wake up, you dream about this since you was a kid. Now you finally get out there and just go do what you love to do. When did you start playing football? I actually started fifth grade, literally, and then I missed in a couple of years, played middle school one year and actually really got started in high school. Why did you start playing? 
it was something to do. Then I actually got my first offer, like like where I'm from, you kind of got to need something to do after school. So that was just something I got my first offer. You know, okay, cool. Like moms ain't got to pay for college anymore. This might be something I can actually stick with. When did you realize that you had the talent and the ability to make it not just in college, but then at the next level in the pros? Like as a kid, you know, like you see this on TV, like it's motivation, like thinking like you're 19 years old, like then I got and play with grown men at that point. But at the end of the day, it's like you still got to, I, I ain't ready for that yet. But when I got my first off, I think it was from Georgia Tech, ninth grade year, and I was like, hey, cool. Like, I actually can make this happen. And that's when I really started taking it serious. When you're taking it, something like that seriously, the game of football, it's so much more than just what you do at practice. You know, yeah. it's far reaching. How did your life change when you made the commitment to football and making it a means to go to school and then to make a living as a professional? So it's a long, like a lot of countless hours that go, you got to put in, you know, things that nobody really sees. And even to this day, it's still things that nobody sees that you have to go and deal with. You have to go put in a personal time, uh, studying, working on your craft and lifting weights or doing push-ups at night. It's countless of things that, that happens that nobody actually sees. So what do you do besides football? How do you spend time when you need mm -hmm. to shut it all down for a minute? So when I like to shut it down, I get back to me. I go to my family. You know, I'm kind of a family guy. I enjoy being around my family. And that kind of brings me back and battles me up when everything gets rowdy, rowdy with football. So they're your, your safe place. Yeah. So when you think about life after football, and I know you still have a lot of football mm -hmm. left. It's not yeah. anytime soon. Do you have dreams, aspirations, things that you would like to do? Yeah, like most, I want to be the, the uh, ultimate family guy I could possibly be. Definitely want to like dip and dab into real estate and just pick up small little things that I, I carry on after football because I've kind of already been focusing on it and trying to hone into small things as that. But at the end of the day, I'm still enjoying every moment that I can with football. It all comes back to that joy in playing the game. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Don Trello, it was nice to meet you. Thanks for taking some time to chat with us. Thank you. Mac, what has a guy like Hilliard brought to this Titans offense? He's a lot like Naheem Hines that we just talked about, you know, before your interview. He, he gives a different dimension to it. He's an excellent route runner, and he's got speed. He's got speed to take it to the house. He can run He can run routes, either removed or in the backfield. So, I mean, it's, it's big, and that's what you have to have. The other thing is a lot of times the problem that you have with a smaller back that's your third down back is they have protection problems. You know, but he's a good blocker. He's a good blocker. He's smart. He can he can he can discern how they're how they're bringing people, and and he has to work in conjunction with the quarterback and the front, being able to sort out different pressures that they're going to bring him. So I mean, he's a complete football player, and it's a difference when he's on the field because you get some favorable matchups with him. I mean, just as I talked about, Naheem Hines is is tough on linebackers in a matchup. So is Hilliard. Let's talk about some of the keys to victory. It seems that offensively all roads run through Ryan Tannehill, and he's had a pretty strong start to the 2022 season. What does he need to do to help the Titans get a victory over the Indianapolis Colts? Well, first of all, we've got to run the ball. He's got to hand it to Derrick Henry. And that's the first thing he needs to do. And Derrick Henry needs to be able to continue what he started last week against the Raiders. They've got to get him. They've got, we've got to get traction. We've talked last week about getting traction in the run game. We need traction in the run game against these people because that's really where it all starts. And then Ryan Tannehill can go to work with his play action because he's one of the top you know, quarterbacks in the league in play action. He's proven it over all the years that he's been here. And that's so we, got, we need to get the traction in the run game as to where it's respected. That's the first thing that has to happen. 
On defense, the Titans have a big task ahead of them. What do they need to do to maybe establish some dominance within this game early? Well, they, first of all, they can't let Jonathan Taylor take the game over. I mean, you, you can't do that. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to put the, their offense on their left foot, meaning they're one-dimensional. You've got to make them throw. You've got to make them throw, and then when they throw, you've got to figure out the matchups that you want to take away and then live with the other matchups because that's just the way it is in this league. You take away what's most dangerous and then live with the other. Okay, and so that's what they're going to have to. But they can't let Jonathan Taylor early in the football game uh, take it over because one thing they will do differently than what Josh McDaniel did last week with Josh Jacobs, he quit running the ball. This group up there will not quit running the football. So it's going to be an all-day task getting that run under control. The Titans take on the Indianapolis Colts at Lucas Oil Stadium. Kickoff for that time is noon Central Time, 1 o'clock Eastern Time. Mac, did I miss anything football-wise that we need to address about this matchup? You never do. You're a genius football-wise. Well, thanks, Mac. I, I sure do appreciate that. Now that we have the football covered, I want to talk about the party aspect of this weekend because there is always a party aspect around a Tennessee Titans football game. As well it should be. Yes. I'm all for that. I know you are. You, if there's one person who likes a party, it's you, Coach Mack. And so I think we should let everybody know that the Tennessee Titans, when they go to Indianapolis, because it's so geographically close, as you mentioned before, we're hosting a road rally up there. We're just going to go up to Indy. And show them how we do things here in Nashville. So we are going to be at 16-bit bar and arcade from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time on Saturday night. That would be the night before the game. There is going to be a group of Titans fans gathering together. Again, 16-bit bar and arcade from 7 to 10 Eastern Time because we're in Indianapolis. And there's going to be all kinds of stuff. There will be appearances by T-Rack and Titans Cheer. There's going to be giveaways. There's going to be drink specials. And it's going to be awesome. No, that's great. And, you know, we always have a nice crowd up there. Always do. So get up there early and go to 16-bit. Take over the city. I love it. See, there you go. So that's presented by Old Smokey. And we do love some Old Smokey moonshine. So that's Saturday night. Sunday, more party time. Before the game... There's going to be a tailgate. Tennessee Titans game day tailgate, also presented by Old Smoky Distillery, will be held at the Heirloom at Lucas Oil Stadium. That starts at 10 a.m. on Sunday, on game day, 10 a.m. to 12.30 Eastern Time. The first 100 fans there will receive two free Bud Light cans. There's going to be pregame coverage, of course. There will be special appearances by T-Rack and Titans Cheer. There will be giveaways. All the things are going to be at this pregame tailgate. So if you haven't had enough the night before, or it's like a hair of the dog situation, you just need to rally the next morning. Come tailgate with us. There will be tons of stuff to do. And we like to get everybody together and get really fired up and then all go into the stadium together like some sort of Viking situation well the vikings are another team no the, the no i meant like the vikings not the vikings the football team like actual vikings huh. 
Well, now see that's a whole different animal. Okay, anyway, you if you're going to a football trip, first of all, you never just have one day of partying. Nope. That, no, you can't have it. You have to have two days of partying. Of course. So when you get ready to go, just get geared up and as you said, get up the next morning and let's go because if you're gonna make the trip, you gotta be all in. So I'm looking forward to that too. If you're gonna make the trip, you gotta be all in. That's what we're looking for. We hope to see you all in Indianapolis Saturday night and Sunday morning. And if not there, at the game, Lucas Oil Stadium, kickoff for that game is noon central time, 1 o'clock Eastern. We hope to see you there. Coach Mack, we're heading to Indy. Can't wait. Let's go. For Coach Mack, I'm Titans Amy. Thank you for listening to the Titans Amy and Coach Mack podcast.